I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, and before we get going, if you do want to buy any of the books mentioned on this podcast at any point in your life, uh, we've set up a discount code on awesomebooks.com. Uh, so go there and just type in our discount code OUCHIWAWA. That's OUCHIWAWA, O-U-C-H-I-E-W-H-A-W-H-A, OUCHIWAWA. If you type that in, you'll get 10% off your order. OUCHIWAWA. Hey, I'm Joel Golby, and this is a sort of audio book club, I guess. Um, so we thought very long and hard about what we should call it and we came up with the name Joel Golby's Book Club. So, uh, welcome. So over lockdown and, and COVID, all, all of that, which you might remember, I started reading much more, which was good, made me feel smarter. And I started sort of documenting all my thoughts about all the various books I was reading on Instagram. And people seem to like it, and I seem to like it too. I kind of liked reading with sort of half a critical brain on while I was doing it. And it was nice to to sort of make little notes and little checks as I was plowing through a book where I could figure out what I liked and what I didn't like about something. So this is a fairly uh, natural evolution of that. And the goal is fairly simple. We're going to make some short little 15, 16 maybe 17-minute podcasts where I walk you through a book I've read. Um, the first few, I'm going to be rereading books that I've especially loved in recent years and telling you why I like them. And then we're going to sort of get into my natural reading rhythm and the stuff that I'm chomping through and uh, sort of reading along with me as I go. So there might be some clangers and there might be some masterpieces and that's kind of the fun the fun part of the podcast, I suppose. So yeah, uh, hopefully uh, you, you can listen along, uh, discover some some cool good books, and uh, and get a bit more get more reading uh, crammed into your into your brain. So hi, welcome. First up, we are going to do 
Close Range, which is a selection of short stories by Annie Prue, winner of the Pulitzer. And I think it's one of the finest short story collections that you can get. So we're going to go through that and I'm going to point out four of the best stories in there, finishing with the one most people know the best, which is Brokeback Mountain. So Close Range is a collection of 11 stories and they are under Annie Prue's umbrella of Wyoming stories because they are all set against the background of Wyoming and sort of the last couple of centuries of cowboying and sheeping and spitting in the sand that they do out there. And I do think it's a fairly obvious thing that people say about movies and TV and books where they say something like, uh, well, actually, the, uh, the city is one of the main characters. But Wyoming being the backdrop to all of these shorts really adds something sort of salty and rugged. There's this, there's this extra texture to to every single one of these stories that's, that's brought there by the setting. And it helps you understand the people and the weird decisions they make and the quite grotesque and hard things that, that might happen to the characters. And it's all because they're in Wyoming. So the first story in the collection and one of my favorites is the half-skinned steer, which is a fairly straightforward, well, I say a fairly straightforward short story. It's not, it, it sort of jumps around a couple of timelines and uh, and explores with the past of uh, the main character who is called Marrow. What is his surname? Marrowcorn. Yeah. Um. So he follows the main character who's called Marrowcorn. He's in his early eighties and he's lived a hard but successful rancher life. When he learns that his brother, who never left the ranch back home, has died. And there's something darkly funny in the way that his brother dies. His brother's called Rolo. And um, he dies because he sold the ranch to a businessman who turned it into like an Australian-themed ranch park. And uh, over the winter, an emu cut him, and the line is, from belly to breakfast. So already you're kind of thrown into something that's both ghoulishly horrible, a terrible way to die is be in your 80s and be clawed to death by an emu. But there is something just weirdly, darkly funny about that. And also the fact that Mero just does not really react to this news at all. He just sort of packs his hat, packs his funeral suit. He's scared of flying. And so we follow him as he drives across a couple of states over a couple of days to make it to his brother's funeral. And as that's happening, he's remembering all the reasons he left Rant in the first place. So he sort of had a a dad who was doomed by various depressions to leave ranting behind and end up as a mailman. His brother was similarly sort of draped in doom and ended up keeping the ranch and obviously dying there. And there's this very strange psychosexual relationship with his father's much younger, horsier girlfriend that forced him to leave the ranch when he was about 16 or 17. And one of the, the easiest things to say about Annie Prue's work is it's incredible how she is able to write from the perspective of an opposite gender. A lot of her characters are good old hardy cowboys and good old men's men. 
And um, I really do think, you know, a lot of writers do attempt to write from the other gender's perspective, but to get it right and to really access the interior is a really rare trick. One of the best to ever do it, in my opinion, was Sue Townsend with the diaries of Adrian Mole. And Annie Prude does it time after time after time. And one of the best examples is very early in the half-skin steer when Mero wakes up after one of those sort of thrashing, horny, frustrated diet sleep that you only get at a certain period in, in your adolescence. And I was rereading that back and I was like, how <laughs> how did this woman in her, I think she was in her 50s, maybe early 60s at the time, like how did she write that particular note, that particular chord of male sexuality? And there's all these sort of, intrusive images that the mirror gets of um, his dad's horsey girlfriend and it, it really is quite a spectacular work of authoring uh, that she's able to write those angles of masculinity um i mean we we may as well scrub ahead and get to brokeback mountain which is the the jewel in this collection and obviously got turned into the film but it's an incredibly profound 30-page short story. And again, it's incredible that she's able to write this very complicated, sort of very, very hard scrabble male relationship that spans two decades that uh, is set against this sort of early 60s to early 80s sort of Wyoming where, you know, if you were fraternizing with a man or if you were seen in any way by the community to be gay, then they would make jokes about you when they drove past your ranch and they, they wouldn't really want to do business with you. And in, in certain cases, as in Brokeback Mountain, they, uh, they would drag you out behind their truck uh, by the penis and beat you to death with tire irons. So um, Ennis and Jack, the main characters of Brokeback Mountain, they live in this weird push-pull, delirious relationship where they can never really be together and that's the great agony of both of their lives and they keep trying to live separately they they have unsuccessful marriages and they have some children who they sort of think of and look after very glancingly but the main preoccupation of both of their lives is is trying to break away and get a, a week where they can spend some time together and be together how they want to be Again, one of the greatest parts of Brokeback Mountain is a, it's maybe a page and a half section in the first third of the story where they realise that they're sort of infatuated with each other up there on the mountain. They live in a peaceful bubble of their relationship. She writes that feeling of when you first meet someone and you're, you're just obsessed with them. It sort of feels like you're floating. Everything comes to you easier, everything just gives you more bounce in your stride and they were up there on the mountain looking after some sheep and coming back every night and, and having rough hard cowboy sex in a tent and it just briefly feels very perfect and not quite love not quite there not quite ever saying that to each other but it feels like that kind of irresistible first moment in a relationship which obviously all gets spoiled over the rest of the book to a heartbreaking end but it's just an incredible sort of virtuosic, is that a word? I don't think that's a word. But it's an incredible piece of writing that just makes you feel like you're 
a bird are just sort of soaring over the plane, watching down as uh, these two cowboys take each other's jeans off. So it's a beautiful, heartbreaking short story, and you can see why it got turned into such a, a beautiful film. And both the ending, where uh, Ennis goes back and, and sees Jack's old childhood bedroom, and also the uh, incredibly famous line, I just can't quit you, they both hit so much harder when you're reading them on the page compared to watch it on the screen actually um one very very brief side but if you ever listen to the podcast s town the guy in that uh was obsessed with the short story broke back mountain and he called it his grief manual and he used to reread it every week or two weeks so it wasn't quite obsessively reread it and um i mean that guy did turn out to be uh fairly mentally ill but he was he was right about uh that being a very perfect short story and worth revisiting again and again but there's two other short stories i just wanted to mention from the collection um one of my favorites is the mud below which uh follows a fuck what are they called bull rider yeah um follows a bull rider called diamond phelps i always think a really easy way of creating a character is to give them one good memory and one bad memory and give them one sort of feeling of injustice or inferiority about themselves. So Diamond Phelps has both of those. He has a bad memory because when he was 13, his dad left his mother and as his car peeled out of the uh, desert lot that they were living in, he said, oh, I'm not your father and I never was. And the other thing he has is uh, he's five foot two or three and he has a short guy complex. But over the course of about 30 pages, we watch this young man's life just sort of over a couple of bitter summers as he goes on tour as a bull rider and the brief feeling of sort of delirium and oneness and ownership and selfhood that he finds when he's weightless over a bull that's flipping out and trying to step on his head is played in contrast with the rest of his life which is very bitter and very lonely and he pretty writes lonely men uh, fantastically well it's just this amazing contrast of this tiny embittered man he was you know he was never really given a chance he is sure he has a well-drawn difficult relationship with his mother and uh, he has all this sort of simmering lightning energy inside him that he he can't really ever shake unless he's on top of a bull for eight seconds and again he's not a likable person and he's not a nice character and he does something in the short story that is criminal and dreadful and ghoulish but there's something about watching this man's life for just a couple of years and watching him grow more sort of curled over and gnarled and uh and selfish as he goes that's fascinating to watch and it's great that she's able to open these short stories up that just give you a peek into someone else's darkness for a little bit and then just very neatly closes the lid and lets you sit with it for a little while and the final story i wanted to highlight again it's very ghoulish and some absolute horror (laughs) happening in the middle of it but it's one of my favorites and it's a short story that has stayed with me for a very long time since I first read it. It's called People in Hell Just Want a Drink of Water, which, by the way, is an incredible title for a short story. 
So it's built on one of the eldest and most profound human energies, which is not really liking your neighbor that much. And you, you follow over a very short collection of pages, you follow these two entwined family histories. So the Dunmires, which uh, the father Ice Dunmire comes to Wyoming from Texas, very quickly has nine sons and gets left by his wife. And they become this sort of hard, skinny, lanky family of hard workers and horse busters and make sure you get it done and eat some biscuits for the stew for your dinner. In comparison, across the way, you have the Tinsleys who want to be sort of new money, middle class. They want to build a smaller family and keep a ranch. But they're, they're both doomed by the same sort of cursed uh, ground that living on. Nothing grows. There's great depressions, great droughts. But in between that, you have these nine sons. And then you have uh, the son of the Tinsley family, Raz Tinsley, who gets in this incredible accident, comes back to sort of mute and dull and deformed. Annie Prue is, is very good at writing a character who gets kicked in the head or trampled on in the head or gets in an incredible car accident and, and bears profound scars of it for the rest of her life. She has an incredible cast of sort of weirdos and like caved in skulls and, you know, people who don't have any teeth on one side of their head or a hole in their throat or something, which again sort of adds to the the salty Wyoming backdrop that any moment you might turn a corner and, and someone will be there who got hit in the head by a train. And, you know, I won't, I won't spoil the story because uh, you got to get there on your own, but the eventual act of horror <laughs> that occurs between the Dunmires and the Tinsleys, it really, <laughs> really will stay with you for a very long time. You will put the book down and you will fold your hands on your lap you will stare into space for 30 or 40 seconds and occasionally you'll just have the intrusive memory of what happens at the end of that story just when you're washing up or when you're doing your laundry or when you're tidying your office and you'll be dragged right back there and you'll feel like you're in Wyoming and, and there's a storm brewing and you know I think uh, being able to have such a lasting effect have a short story sort of ring like a bell through you like that one does is a testament to absolutely incredible writing and and Annie Poo is for sure one of our greatest living authors so yeah I I always love reading a short story collection when I'm in a bit of a reading funk um which I occasionally am uh we all are and I think Wyoming stories is it's quite a long collection it's like a 300 pager but every single one of those 11 is a banger in my opinion and if you need something salty and dark but explores the human condition from a number of uh, surprising little angles I would highly highly recommend you picking it up so yeah I, I think we're going to end all of these podcasts with a sort of rough rating system it's just a fun neat way of wrapping things up so I am going to go ahead and rate Annie Prue close range uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I kind of want to give it a 10, but I think starting off a podcast series on a 10 doesn't give you too many places to go. And also the, there's one very short, like a three-page short story. It's almost like a joke. It's almost like a punchlineable joke before the final story broke back Man, And I find that readers of that 
find it very Marmite. They even love it. They sort of see it as this sort of literary palate cleanser before the the great heaving, uh, tear-jerking emotion of Brokeback Mountain, or it leaves them quite cold. And for me, that final story just sort of left me a little bit cold and confused after everything that uh, the rest of the book had put me through. So yeah, we're going to give Annie Prue's Close Range a hard, hot nine out of ten. And uh, I highly recommend you go and get it. All right, so uh, I hope you enjoyed the the inaugural episode of Joel Bobby's Book Club. Uh, if you didn't, um, fuck you. And uh, if you did, wonderful. Uh, we'll be back next week. I'm going to be doing Patrick DeWitt's first book, Ablutions. So if you want to pick that up, you can read it really quickly in that time. It's only 160 odd pages. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'll see you then. So if you like the sound of that and you want to go and buy Close Range, we have a code for you to use, a discount code. So if you go to awesomebooks.com and uh, and yeah, if you use our code OUCHIWAWA, that's O-U-C-H-I-E-W-H-A-W-H-A, OUCHIWAWA. If you use that code, all one word, OUCHIWAWA, you'll get 10% off um, any purchase you make. Um, so it'll be... Uh, that book and and anything else we recommend on here. That's Ouchie Wawa. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.